You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel, produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. Welcome to the Florida Bar's Legal Field Podcast, brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm the director of the Practice Resource Center and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our studio in Tallahassee, Florida. And I'm Carla Eckhart. I'm a senior practice management advisor at the Florida Bar and co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month, and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. So here at the Florida Bars Practice Resource Center, um, Carla and I get a ton of questions about trust accounting, technology, but I would say the most frequent topic that our members call us about is continuing legal education. They want to know how to find our free CLE courses, shameless plug for our website, legalfield.com, or they're having trouble posting their credits, they're confused about the requirements for each credit type, new attorneys have questions about the basic skills, course requirements, and more experienced attorneys are looking for courses to maintain their board certification status. So to help us bring clarity to all things CLE, we have brought in the expert. Maritza McGill is the director of the Legal Specialization and Education Department of the Florida Bar. Maritza graduated from the Florida State University and was a program administrator at the Florida Bar from 1982 to 1997. She returned to the bar in 2012 as assistant to the director of LSE, and in 2015, she was promoted to certification specialist. In 2018, Maritza became the assistant director of LSE, and then in 2022, was named director. As the LSE director, Maritza has oversight of the certification program, course accreditation, and CLE, and BSCR, which she will explain what that is, um, compliance of members. So welcome to the show, Maritza. Thank you. Glad to be here. So those of us who have worked at the bar for a while tend to start to speak in acronyms, and we forget how complicated the bar's rules and regulations seemed when we were new. Um, We can all quickly recite the CLE requirement that each member must complete 33 hours of CLE credit during the three-year reporting cycle. But can you tell us the specifics? We're going to start real basic. Tell us the specifics of the CLER requirements, including the number and the types of credit required. Of course. So um, everyone is required to have 33 hours of general CLE credit. Of those 33 hours, um, three must be technology credits, five must be professional responsibility credits, which include ethics, substance abuse, bias elimination, mental health, and one of those five must be in professionalism, and these must be completed every uh, three years. So... uh Now that we're going through the various credit categories, one, I want to clarify that it's 33 hours, including the three tech and the five PR, which also includes the one professionalism. It's not 33 plus three tech (laughs) plus five PR. I think we got that one last week, yes. Yes. So so for our members that are confused, the grand total is still 33. Yes. Correct. (laughs) Those 
other credits are inclusive of the 33 hours. Right. So another common point of confusion that we often have to clarify for our callers is when a course offers, for example, general and technology credit or general and professionalism credit. Can you explain the uh, credit that comes with a course and how it can be applied or allocated to a member's requirements? Um, We have a 500 series of our Board of Legal Specialization Education Policies explain in the 500 series that uh, what each credit stands for. So, or, or how you can obtain these specific credits. So, with technology, it's very specific to the types of the ways you can earn the credit. For instance, just by taking a Zoom class does not mean that qualifies as technology credit. You have to be learning something dealing with technology, like a software program, um, something that's beneficial to your practice. Um, So all of our, we have policies for each of these individual credits and how you may obtain them and what qualifies. And when our specialists are reviewing these credits, they everything is first awarded general credit, and then we go through and break down the course that is submitted to determine if any of these other specialty credits are eligible. And so it get it, this is what confuses people. It'll say it says one hour general, one act, one technology. So they'll call us and say this didn't give me two hours of credit, and we're like, yes, it's a one-hour it, it was it was a one hour <laughs> class. So just the way it's kind of written, because yes it qualifies for both. Or Mm -hmm. if it's a seven-hour class, it gets really confusing because it'll say half hour of ethics, two hours of technology, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So can you just talk about, uh, explain that you kind of already have, it's all good for general, but when someone goes to post it, do they get to choose how they're going to apply it? No. So when you post the credit, well, first of all, if you have a credit that has 10 hours in it, If you did not complete all 10 hours of that credit, Florida Bar functions on an honor system and you should not be claiming all of those 10 hours for general credit. You should only be claiming the number of hours that you actually attended. Um, But all credits are general and then we determine what of those credits, what may qualify under these specialty credits. So it's not an additional credit you're receiving. We're just determining of the of the general credits where they fall into these specialty credits. And once a member has watched a course and they're ready to report uh, their credit, what is the best way for them to not just check their history, but also post new credit? Everyone should establish their member portal account. If you're an established attorney, hopefully you have already done that. If you are a new attorney and a young lawyer, you know, that should be one of the first things that you should do is create your member portal account. Uh, new members receive a packet when they are admitted to the Florida Bar. And, you know, just please read those five pages that you receive because there's a lot of good information in there. And you can go on there and it gives you a screen to where it shows you where you are earning your credits. It'll identify that you need 33 hours. You have completed five hours. 
um, and then it'll tell you how many hours you have left to complete. And then it also breaks it down by all of the specialty credits. And then if you are a young lawyer who has basic skills requirements, it also breaks down your basic skill requirement credits as to how many you have completed, the time frame you have to complete them, and um, what you have left to do. And so the other question we get a ton is they think that they have to have a certificate of completion to post the yeah, credit for Yeah, they don't course. realize that we are the Florida Bar. So we tell them, no, you don't need it. You just need the course number. They're like, no, the Florida Bar requires that I have a certificate <laughs> yeah. of completion. So if you're going into your member portal, um, do they do courses all require a certificate of completion? Not all courses. It depends. So if you are taking a Florida Bar approved course, you can go into your member portal and enter that course and submit the credits yourself. If you are having trouble, you are more than welcome to email it to our staff. And at that point, you will have to provide us the certificate of completion because we don't know otherwise. If you're emailing it, you send it to CLE mail at floridabar.org and a staff member will post that credit for you and you will receive a confirmation that that credit has been posted. But we all the other thing that the people that um, it's the day of their end of their reporting cycle. So maybe they should establish, would you recommend they establish the portal and do it themselves? Right, it's and, instant on the portal. It's instant on the portal. If they do email it to us, they need to make sure in the subject line they put their CLE deadline. So we will sort through and determine anybody who's identified urgent CLE deadline March 31st. We're going to pull those to make sure to add those credits before we run our noncompliance list and deem anyone delinquent. So we'll we'll get back to the <laughs> noncompliance and delinquency in a minute, but correct. Um, we want to know how does a member receive credit for a course not previously approved for credit? In that case, they will have to go to our um, continuing legal education webpage and download the uh, the application for credit attendance. And they will need to fill that information out. It will need to include their bar number, the title of the course. Um, if it's was the location where they took the course, whether it was online, out of state, uh, we do have reciprocity. So we do accept outside courses, other states' courses. But it is very important that they include the timed agenda for that course and their certificate of completion. And then we will evaluate that course for them and award them the credit. And um, understanding in some states, they have a 60-minute CLE credit. Mm -hmm. That's right. And the state of Florida has a 50-minute CLE credit. So we do calculate and convert that. So if you've taken a 60-minute course, you're going to receive probably an hour and a half um, versus just the one hour in a Florida course. Okay. And I've gotten this call. What is the official policy? Can Florida courses be used for credit when members are admitted to other state bars? And is it is it our job to make that happen? I'm trying to be very is, diplomatic here. <laughs> it is the responsibility of the attorney to do that him or herself. Um, us and the department 
we can provide them a CLE report of what credits that they have received and that they're in compliance with the state of Florida. However, if they're wanting to post credits in another state, they will have to contact that state to find out that process. Some states do accept Florida courses. Some states do not accept Florida courses. Other states will require you to pay for them to evaluate your Florida course. So uh, I just want to reiterate what Maritza just said. It is the attorney's <laughs> responsibility to make that happen in the with the other state bar because we often get thrown like pages of forms that we have to f- that they say we have to fill out, and then we look at the forms and we're like, oh, we don't really have to fill that well, out. And we can't make other bars accept our credit. No, and so, we, can't, yeah. we can't. We also can't. This is another thing, a legal field plug, but we can't certify that you have watched one of our CLEs. You have to certify that you watched it because we don't know if you watched it. Like Maritza said earlier, we operate on somewhat of an honor system. No, it's not somewhat. It's definitely an honor system. Yeah, that's so an excellent point. We, you know, so definitely talk with your state bars if, if you know, you're trying to get a Florida CLE course uh, accredited elsewhere or, you know, get credit for that because our hands are kind of tied. We, we can't really tell that other state bar, yes, attorney John Smith watched the, this, this CLE course. Um, all, all you can do is show them your Florida credit history and say, I told Florida I watched this. Here it is. Well, and also in that line, if just because you attended live a Florida course, my department specifically is just the compliance part where you report the information. I cannot provide or my staff cannot provide that a certificate to say, yes, I attended this course. They will have to go to the provider of the course to request a certificate of completion. Um, we cannot do that in our department. The only thing that I'm able to provide is a CLE report and a letter saying that the member is in compliance with their requirements. Thank you for clarifying that because, yeah, to us, it's obvious. We were not with you when you downloaded our course. We were not with you when you went to the Hilton in Orlando and attended the course. So, yeah, we can't certify that. Thank you. Our, you mentioned earlier about an application to receive credit for a, cre- for a course not previously approved. Um, and I know that there are other applications or forms that can be filled out um, that cover perhaps other ways of earning CLE. So what other ways uh, can an attorney earn CLE besides attending or watching a course? An attorney may earn um, CLE credit either through uh, writing materials that are published either in the Florida Bar Journal or a publication. Um, They do not receive credit for blogs. It has to be a published forum and we cannot award the credits until the the article has been published. Um, there's all you may also earn credit by lecturing at a course. And if you have a course that you're attending that and also lecturing at, you will receive credits multiplied depending on whether your course is basic, intermediate, or advanced for the hours or time that you have lectured. If you are attending that same course, then you can also receive attendance for attending, but you will not receive attendance credit for the hour that you've lectured. That will be counted as a lecture. Um, You may also receive credits for 
attending uh, legal courses at a university. You may receive, uh, if you teach at a university, law courses, you may receive credit for that. And um, you may also receive credits for the Lawyers Advising Lawyer Program. Ah, good to know. Um, What is the significance of, because I've seen this on the application, basic, intermediate, advanced, does that affect your credits or what's, what's that used for? The way we use it, a basic course is usually something that a young lawyer would take that it's just basic legal information that's being provided to the member. Um, intermediate has more advanced information topic, more detailed, and advanced has, you know, a lot of detailed information regarding specific legal topics. So awarding credits initially, whether it's basic, intermediate, or advanced, they're all receiving the same amount of credit. You don't receive more or less. The times that you receive more or less is in the sense of if you're lecturing, you've received more credits for an intermediate and advanced course than what you would a basic course. Let's say a basic course that you lectured one hour, you're going to receive three hours of lecture credit for that. If you have lectured at an intermediate course for 50 minutes, you're going to receive five credit hours of CLE. And if you've lectured at an advanced course, it's seven and a half hours for each 50 minutes that you lecture. Oh, wow. Get to Um, lecturing, people. (laughs) I had no idea. And then the other thing to note is if you're using... For the certification program, which we'll discuss a little bit later, um, a course must be, for most of our 27 certification areas, a course must be intermediate or advanced in order to receive certification credit. There are very few areas that will accept a basic CLE course for certification credit. Okay. So it's like when you're at college, 2,000 level classes, 3,000, that kind of thing. Right. Correct. Okay, that makes interesting. See, learning something new (laughs) every day. I love doing the podcast. We do (laughs) learn stuff about our own bar. Okay, so everyone gets very tense as they get close to the end of their reporting cycle, and we get those phone calls. Are they, are members getting notifications as they get closer? Because often they act like it's a total surprise when it's not. Should should they know that they've come closer to the date of their reporting cycle? How will they know? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, it is their responsibility to keep track of their CLE reporting cycles and their BSCR reporting cycles. But as a a courtesy, it is not a requirement, it is a courtesy, we do send out 120-day, 90-day, 60-day, 30-day, and 15-day email notices. That's a lot. (laughs) It is very important that a member maintains an updated email address in their official bar record, and it's also required by by the rules in Chapter 1 that they maintain an official bar record email address and phone number. Um, In addition to the email notices, we also send out a hard copy 30-day notice 30 days prior to their um, cycle ending that they still have courses to complete. And we, pr- we print out everything that they have completed. We let them know how many hours they have, what they still need um, to complete. And if you are within 10 hours of completing your courses, we also do a courtesy phone call. Wow. That's a lot so. of work for your staff. <laughs> so, um, In other words, there's no excuse. 
there is no excuse. And people really need to understand that the rules do not allow the executive director, the bar president, bar staff to provide extensions for CLE requirements. Yeah, we, we get those calls too. And yeah. we're always like, mm, yeah, and we heard we that there was a it. recent clarification or yeah, opinion. We, we can't do that. that. So we often send them to the CLE department and I'm sure they're told the same thing um, that we tell them, but we want it official. So we always send them up to you. So they're told, no, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at any rate, I, I just, again, if anyone is not receiving these, because again, like Christine said, a, a lot of people that call us act like, you know, th- this is the first they've ever heard of their CLE reporting cycle. One, it's in your member portal. So that's another reason why it's critical that you set up yes. your member portal account. But two, uh, if you're not getting the emails, if you're not getting any Florida Bar emails, you should be concerned because the Florida Bar doesn't just send out CLE emails. We send out all kinds of emails when it comes to, re- you know, your renewals every year and any other important emails that get, uh, f- you know, email flashes that go out. Sometimes there's been like a statewide kind of scam that's become really popular. Mm-hmm. That's bar elections. Bar elections yeah. that just happened. So if you're not getting any Florida Bar emails, con- if you have an IT department, contact your IT department. Make sure that the at floridabar.org domain is whitelisted or go into your own uh, email admin portal and make sure that you whitelist Florida Bar emails or create a separate folder in your inbox. If you don't want it to clog your inbox, create a separate folder in your inbox, have the emails go there and check that out on a regular basis. But there really is no excuse with so many notifications that anyone wait till the last week. Yeah. And that's a good tech tip about whitelisting our address. But then I would also say um, you're in violation of the rules regulating the Florida Bar if you haven't updated your contact information. Absolutely. So be really careful about that. So Maritza, you've told us that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven notifications basically. But let's talk about uh, where we are now past the date. What happens when a member does not complete and post the required number and type of courses by their um, reporting cycle due date? If they have not completed their requirements, they will be deemed delinquent. And in order to become reinstated, they will need to complete their requirements, uh, the CLE requirements. And just because the requirements are completed does not mean that they are now reinstated. They must go online and download the petition for reinstatement, complete it, make sure everything is completed and checked off that says required, and They'll need to identify whether they have been practicing law or not practicing law during the time of delinquency because per our rules, if you are delinquent, you are not eligible to practice law. Um, We've heard cases where attorneys have been thrown out of court by the judge because they have looked them up and have found out that they're not eligible to practice Right. On, on on your member profile, your clients can see that and it will say ineligible to practice. Correct. So in addition to the petition and completing the courses, there's also a $150 um, reinstatement fee that they must pay. It can be, uh, the information can be mailed to us um, or we recommend contacting the accounting department to pay that $150 fee online or, or not, I'm sorry, not online, over the phone and immediately email the petition and then we're able to verify that they're um, hours are completed and the petition has been completed correctly and then we're able to reinstate them. 
sometimes it may not be done in 24 hours. It just depends on the timing of, of when we get the materials. Uh, we are working on, you know, updating our databases and everything to where eventually this process will be automatic, that they'll be able to submit it online, pay, submit the petition online and pay the fee online. But at this time, that is not how we are set up. Okay. So it's a whole process, much simpler just to yeah. do your CLEs. But is it different <laughs> if they are delinquent for board certification or for their basic skills course requirement? Oh. Well, something to understand with board certification, board certification is on a different cycle than um, the CLE cycle. The CLE cycle is on a three-year cycle, and board certification is dependent on when you become certified and you are on a five-year cycle. So for now, let's just separate out uh, certification. Um, the first thing is for basic skills, because it is a little bit different, the process for basic skills and continuing legal education requirements, you cannot have an extension for CLER requirements. For, for the CLE regular requirements, you cannot have an extension. Now, for basic skills, if you get deemed delinquent, you may request conditional reinstatement and you're automatically given six months to complete those requirements. One thing to understand for both is if you have not cleared up your delinquency within 60 days, uh, rule says that you can be sanctioned by disciplinary measures. So definitely do not let your delinquency pass the 60 days. If you let it pass five years, you will be lapsed. And then you will have to take the bar examiner's, you know, the board exam again. Ooh. You will not, <laughs> you know... Our rules do not allow us to provide any kind of extension or waiver. The rules specifically state that you must contact the Board of Bar, bar Examiners and reapply and take the exam again. Wow. I didn't realize that. No, I had no idea about that. So young lawyers listening, take your basic skills course requirements seriously. Get Unless that, you get, love taking the bar exam. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, get that out of the way. And, and another question that I don't think we had planned to ask you, but um, we get it a lot. They people go to our website, they go to our free CLE section and they ask us, do you have any basic skills yeah. courses? Um, the answer is no. Generally speaking, where can young lawyers find basic skills courses? So for the basic skills requirements, there are two separate requirements. The first one is that they must complete a practicing with professionalism course in their first year. And the second one is that they must um, complete 21 hours of basic skills in the first three years. So my recommendation is for any young lawyer to focus on these courses first because they will count toward their general hours anyway. Boom. Oh. So um, the basic skills requirements are governed under the Young Lawyers Division, actually, and the Young Lawyers Division um, develops these courses, and they may be found on on demand, and we will provide links to that at the end of the program, but the 21 hours can either be taken individually or they can be taken, there are courses that are seven hours, so it would be three sets of courses for the total 21 hours, and it will count toward your basic skills requirements. When you go to our on-demand webpage, 
it'll show you the basic skills courses and the course description even says this counts towards your phase two basic skills requirement. Right. And practicing with professionalism is, is often referred to as PWP. So if you see that on the course title, practicing with professionalism, PWP, that's phase one too. So like you said, we will link to that um, after the course, but they're, they're clearly indicating when they're BSCR courses. Correct. And it's also, you know, very important for young members to understand that we have had requests to waive this requirement because they've taken other basic courses that are more interesting to them. And these waivers have not been approved because you are required to take these specific courses. And they are online. And the difference between the CLER courses and these basic skills courses, um, basic skills courses cannot be shared. And they also, when you purchase a course, the certificate at the end of this course is printed in that person's name. So it does not matter if you've shared this course the basic skills rule requires us to verify attendance, and so that is done. Um, we can contact the provider of the courses to verify, or you will have to provide the certificate of completion if you're asking us to post these credits. So BSCR is not on the honor system. You have to show proof. Correct. Okay. All right. I, I love this clarification. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that either. I just knew we didn't have basic skills classes. Right. Okay. So uh, PWP used to be only in person, and I know they made a video for that since I've been here. It's been updated. But like the old model was you'd go to, you'd spend a week at some hotel and you'd go or to class law hall. library. And it, and it would cost you hundreds or thousands of dollars. So I'm a huge fan of on-demand because we get that attorneys are very busy. So you've got to be able to watch these and get them done when you can. Does the bar still sell CLE courses on CDs and DVDs for members who still prefer that format? Yes, we still do have that format. Um, our department does not do that. Um, they would have to go through order entry in the accounting department to purchase those courses or our website. Um, they can go online and purchase the course and that will be developed you know, for them and sent to them from a different department. Okay. And, and it's probably just limited titles at this point. Is that... uh, even new courses um, sometimes are put oh, on okay. DVD and, okay, and, and CDs. Um, and, and another thing that's really important, uh, I know the Florida Bar website is very good about taking down courses after they have expired. Yes. Courses are only valid for 18 months. So if, if somebody is taking a course that has not been approved by the Florida Bar or may have been approved by the Florida Bar, but the sponsor, the provider of that course is still selling it, they need to make sure that it's still valid if they're spending money on it because if it is not valid when they try to enter it into our system, if they try to post their credits or if we post the credits, um, we can't post the credits if the course is no longer um, eligible. So that's very important when you're doing courses from outside of the bar that you're making sure that they are still valid courses and still within that 18th month approval okay. period. So like if there could be old DVDs or CLEs lying around that may not still mm -hmm. be current classes. That makes sense. Um, on LegalFuel.com, if it's on our website, it is uh, 
it's, available. It's completely ready to give you credit. If it's, we have, we're really um, up on that. If it, if we do not renew it, we will pull it down. So we have people that reach out to us and say, which of these still qualify for credit? All of them do. Um, I also want to let members know that when you, so on legalfuel.com, all of those are free and there's always a couple at least free on in reach on the bar's main website. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can sort the courses by cost even if you want to see which ones, um, if that is an issue. And I will say um, one of the things that we find um, as staff, the biggest credit, the credits that are seem to be the hardest or attorneys think are the hardest to obtain is that one professionalism hour mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and those three technology credits. And it's amazing the number of members who get deemed delinquent for those two types of credits. And, you know, as staff, we always provide them the links for inReach and we also provide them the link to Legal Fuel and let them know that, you know, there are numerous technology courses on Legal Fuel and numeral professionalism courses on Legal Fuel that they can obtain for free. Absolutely. Um, so about you mentioned CLE providers and courses being out of date. There are so many CLE providers out there claiming to offer these approved courses. How does a member know they're legitimate? Do they do they call you? Do they call the provider? How can they confirm that that course is available for credit? They are welcome to email that CLE mail at floridabar.org email address, or they're welcome to give us a call. We have numerous staff on the phones. Um, that can help answer those questions and look up the specific courses for them. Uh, one thing right now to understand, we are not able to approve ABA courses at this time um, due to an order from the Supreme Court that any course that is developed with using quotas, um, we cannot approve. So just be very careful if you are choosing to take an ABA course or lecture at an ABA program. At this time, the Florida Bar is not allowed to give credit for that. I'm glad you brought that up. That that was quite the to-do for a while. But if you Mm -hmm. missed those Bar News stories, you wouldn't be aware of that. Um, So let's briefly talk about the process and the requirements for members who are interested in earning a board certification designation. That's a big deal. What do they have to do? Um, Well, the first thing is they would have to file an application. Our application cycles are about to open up on on July 1st. We will actually have our applications posted by April 1st. And, um, We have 27 certification areas. Uh, They are split by first cycle and second cycle. So our first cycle areas get certified um, June 1st of each year. And our second cycle areas get certified on August 1st of each year. So if anyone's interested in becoming certified, you know, make sure that you're taking courses for the specific area you're interested in and that they're intermediate or advanced courses. There are higher requirements for certification and recertification for um, than, than the general hours required by the bar. And um, 
there's the application that you have to fill out and complete. There is a certification exam that has to be taken, and we have our you know 2023 dates available on our webpage. Um, we have our deadlines for the applications. The applications are reviewed by a nine-member committee. Um, sometimes we have 12 members, and you have to meet minimum requirements of time and practice, um, percentage and substantial involvement for specific areas. There is a peer review evaluation. And um, and if you're able to pass all of those steps, uh, you will be awarded certification. So that explains why board certification is such a big deal because <laughs> not just hard. anyone can become board certified. So yeah. thank you for clearing that up. Um, we are... Uh, Getting a lot of questions, I think the last one that was we got frequently was active military service. But can you explain to our members the various situations where some members may be exempt from CLE requirements? Yeah, if a, if a military member is um, having to be deployed or maybe on a temporary duty assignment, um, they can request an exemption from CLE. So they would go to our website and request the CLE exemption form and and complete it. And we do require them to provide their orders of this temporary duty or deployment. Uh, and when they return, it is their responsibility to inform us that they're back and that they need the exemption removed. And then that um, then they'll need to complete their their CLE requirements. And then what other um, situations would someone get to be exempt from CLE? Our other exemptions are for undue hardship. And something to understand with any of these exemptions, you are not eligible to practice law if Uh, you're using these exemptions, at least in the state of Florida. So, um, you know, if you're a member of another state, that's different. But in the state of Florida, you cannot practice Florida law if you are exempt. So undue hardship, um, a lot of times that falls under, you know, medical issues that you're not able to practice. If you're a non-resident member who is not delivering legal services in the state of Florida, you can request an exemption. A full-time federal judiciary member who's prohibited from engaging in the practice of law. And uh, Supreme Court justices, district courts of appeal judges, circuit courts, and county court judges also may request exemptions. Um, one thing to understand with these exemptions, if you are certified, uh, you must maintain your CLE regardless. Oh. This exemption does not apply to it. And the thing is, if you're maintaining your certification, you have to be a good me- a member in good standing with the Florida Bar and eligible to practice law. So you need to understand both sides if you're going to try to request an exemption if you're certified. Oh, good to know. Okay. Well, I feel like we did. That was a speed round. (laughs) Um, It looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you so much, Maritza McGill, for joining us today. Thank you. It was was fun. (laughs) So if I I know that there's going to be more questions. So if our listeners have questions, where can they find more information about CLE requirements or reach a member of your staff? They can call our staff at 850-561-5842. 
or they may visit the Florida Bar website. And if they're interested in information regarding certification, they can select the About the Bar and Board Certification. If they're interested in um, continuing legal education information, either CLER or BSCR, they may go under Members and select Continuing Legal Education. And we have um, frequently asked question links for both CLER and BSCR requirements. We have um, our rules and our policies are all linked uh, to those areas. Excellent. So if you like what you heard today, please rate us an Apple podcast. Join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar's Legal Fuel podcast brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbrey. And I'm Carla Eckhart. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bar's podcast via iTunes, Google Podcast, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center Legal Fuel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.